Hello, friends, and welcome to Sash Chat, the podcast where we talk all things pageantry. I'm your host, Alora Martin, and each week I'll be bringing you pageant-related content with no hold barred. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the downright silly. Hello, hello, queens. Welcome back to Sash Chat. Today, we're going to talk about the various types of pageants, how they work, how they're scored, and which one might be right for you. There are literally hundreds of pageants out there, and it can be absolutely overwhelming to figure out which one is the right fit for you and what the difference between each one is. For the purpose of today's episode, I want to let you know that I'm speaking solely about pageants that take place in person. Virtual and online pageants are definitely on the rise, and we can definitely talk about them another time, but for today, we're keeping it IRL, so to speak. The first thing I want to talk about is the different types of pageants. I like to break pageants into two major categories. The first is what I affectionately call one-and-dones, and the second is what I like to call title holder pageants. One-and-dones are pageants that typically have no rehearsals beforehand. You show up on competition day, strut your stuff, wait for the results. These pageants, while they still give out prizes that may include crowns, sashes, trophies, sometimes cash, don't result in a title holder. What I mean by this is that even if you win, you're free to compete in any other pageants you wish, and you don't have a requirement to fill any sort of responsibilities like public appearances, community service, or representing your title by competing at a higher level. In general, there's two types of one-and-dones, glitz and non-glitz. Some people call non-glitz pageants natural pageants, but I think that name can be misleading because a non-glitz pageant may allow some level of makeup or other cosmetic enhancements like hair extensions, fake nails, and more. Glitz pageants are your quintessential toddlers and tiaras pageants where everything matters. Your hair and makeup needs to be flawless, your outfits need to be extremely complimentary and eye-catching, and anything you do on stage should be choreographed and practiced until it's perfect. The routines you see at these pageants are often closer to a dance of sorts than a simple walk. And honestly, glitz pageants are hard work. The amount of practice and dedication that go into making a contestant competitive and successful in the glitz world, let alone the amount of money, is astounding. While there are some glitz pageants that have adult categories, the majority of them cater to the younger crowd, meaning that the vast majority of contestants are under the age of 18. Every glitz pageant has its own set of rules, areas of competition, and award system, But the commonly accepted model is to always have evening wear or formal wear and then some sort of OOC or outfit of choice. It may be themed or it may be the same at every pageant. As far as awards go, usually there are princesses, which are the contestants that did not get the highest score in their division, followed by a queen, which is the highest score in the age division, and then various supreme or overall awards that encompass multiple age divisions. Supreme or overall awards may be specific to one factor, like overall photogenic, or they may factor in all areas of competition. This is where you get your mega ultimate grand supremes. 
The number of supreme or overall awards given and their criteria is specific to each pageant, but they often require an additional fee or participating in additional competitions other than the minimum mandatory areas in order to be eligible for them. Non-glitz one-and-done pageants are typically less intense. While your appearance is often still important, there's less pressure to have professional-level hair and makeup and the perfect wardrobe. My favorite examples of non-glitz one-and-dones are holiday-themed pageants. There's still no rehearsals and no formal title holder duties, except maybe some holiday activities. But unlike glitz pageants, choreographed dance-like routines aren't always necessary. Also, these pageants are more likely to have age divisions for adults. These pageants may still have supreme or overall awards that they give away, or they may just have queens in each age division. Remember, this is the broad strokes, and of course, every pageant is going to be different. Also, I just want to address the fact that there is a lot of stigma on glitz pageants. A lot of people think it's inappropriate to have small children running around in fake lashes, fake nails, fake tan, high levels of makeup, all of those things. And I'm not going to comment on that because I definitely have mixed feelings and I'm still not exactly sure where I stand on it. But what I will say is that non-glitz pageants that are one and dones have tremendous value to everyone in the pageant community. I have seen non-glitz one and dones that have raised money for specific causes. I've seen Alzheimer's awareness pageants. I run a fire safety pageant for my platform. Um, but beyond that, they really give opportunities for girls who want to expand and improve in the pageantry world. Um, there are more opportunities to practice, more opportunities to get on stage, more opportunities to get feedback from judges and just get comfortable. So overall, no matter what the stigma is, I maintain that one and dones are a great opportunity and have a tremendous amount of value. Let's move on to the second classification of pageants, title holder pageants. These are more like Miss America or Miss USA. They offer you the chance to compete for a title, which if you win, you represent throughout the year doing community service, public appearances, and depending on the pageant, often moving on to a higher level of competition. Title holder pageants may encompass any age, but the most common divisions are teen and miss, so they're a bit more popular with the 13 to 30 age range. But there are still tons of pageants for those who don't fall into that age bracket. These pageants usually result in one winner per age division and possibly a court of runner-ups. From here on out, we're primarily talking about title holder pageants. Beyond the two classifications I just gave you, I also classify pageants by level and whether they're open or closed. When I say level, I just mean that, is it local, is it regional, is it state, national, international? It just indicates what geographic region the pageant encompasses and therefore who's eligible to compete based on where they live, work, or go to school and the area that will be represented by the title holder. The other classification I use is whether the system is open or closed. An open pageant is one that anyone can compete in as long as they meet the age and geographic requirements if there are any. A closed pageant is one that you must qualify for by winning a preliminary. So for example, in order to compete at Miss USA, you must have won 
one of the USA state pageants in that year. So it's a closed pageant. But anyone who meets the age requirements and lives in the appropriate state can compete in a USA state pageant. So they're open pageants. Another example is Miss America. In order to compete at Miss America, you must first win one of the Miss America organization state pageants. And in order to compete at a Miss America organization state pageant, you must first win a Miss America organization local pageant. So both levels are closed pageants. This can be a bit confusing because some local pageants brand themselves as a closed pageant, which in that case simply means that they only accept contestants from a specific city, county, or region. Conversely, there are completely open pageant systems that anyone can enter at any level, including national. To participate in these pageants, you often need either an appointed or an at-large title. Some systems will use these terms interchangeably. Um, Both mean that you did not compete in a preliminary pageant in order to qualify. At-large titles are titles that can be purchased to be used to compete at a higher level in a pageant system. Appointed titles still typically are purchased, but rather than being given to the first person to pay for it, there's some sort of interview or application process that all interested candidates partake in, and then the pageant staff determines who will be given the title. So those are my classifications of pageantry. If you classify pageants in a different way, I would love to hear all about it. Definitely shoot me a DM on Instagram. But now I want to move on to talk about the most common areas of competition. The first one is the one that, in my opinion, makes it a pageant. Formal wear. I mean, come on, if you're not putting on formal wear, is it a pageant? Because I don't think that it is. This is the time for contestants to showcase their poise and their stage presence in their formal wear. Another extremely common category is interview. Almost every title holder pageant has interview as a mandatory area of competition in one way or another. Interview is typically held privately with no audience and will either be panel style or round robin style. A panel interview is where you meet with all the judges at the same time and answer their questions in front of all of them. A round robin interview is where you meet with the judges one-on-one to answer their questions privately to them, and then you rotate through each judge. Each pageant will have their own time limit for interview and they range anywhere from one minute to 25 minutes. You may be asked to provide a resume or a bio sheet for the judges to review prior to the pageant for them to ask questions off of during your interview, but you might not. Every pageant is different and has their own methodology. Some pageants instruct their judges to keep the conversation light and just learn more about the contestant as a person, while others allow political or current event questions to be asked. So the content of an interview really varies by your age and the pageant system. Most contestants opt for cute dresses, pantsuits, or jumpsuits for interview, but it's still an opportunity to showcase your personality. Almost every pageant has another on-stage competition in addition to gown. It may be swimsuit, fitness wear, or fun fashion, or something else. While swimsuit is less common than it used to be, it's still prevalent in some major systems, including Miss USA. Fitness wear is also seen in many major pageants, the most notable, in my opinion, being Miss International and Miss Teen USA. 
But fun fashion. Fun fashion has taken the pageant world by storm over the past decade. It's become increasingly popular in pageants that have moved away from swimsuit, and it's exactly what its name says, fun. The fun fashion outfits that have been hitting the stage the past few years have become increasingly creative. Jumpsuits, rompers with capes, fringed outfits, high-low dresses, and so, so, so much bling everywhere you look. Whether your pageant has swimsuit, fitness wear, or fun fashion, that's really the time to let your personality shine on stage and be upbeat and fun to watch. Next is my personal favorite area of competition, on-stage question. And for those of you that have seen Miss Congeniality, no, the correct answer is not always world peace. This is when the audience and the judges get to see each contestant's ability to think on their feet and express their opinions eloquently. The questions asked may include current events or topics relevant to the contestants. Sometimes the onstage questions are reserved only for the top cut of candidates, such as the top five, whereas other pageants may have all contestants participate in onstage questions. In addition to, or in lieu of, onstage question, some pageants have a platform speech, which is a timed opportunity for contestants to pitch the judges on a cause that's important to them and what they will do to advance it during their year of reign should they win. Again, this could be reserved for a final five or ten, or it may be open to all contestants, depending on the pageant. Similar to onstage question is onstage introduction. Some pageants will have this judged and included in the total score, and some pageants have each contestant do an onstage introduction, but it's not judged. It's just an opportunity for the audience and judges to hear a little bit more about each candidate. So those make up the most common areas of mandatory competition. Other areas may include talent, casual wear, spokesmodel, photogenic, community service, essay, and so many more. Any of them may be mandatory that factor into your total score, or they may be optional competitions to give you an opportunity to win additional awards and just strut your stuff. An important note to make is that optional competitions do not factor into your overall score. They're completely separate and often even judged by a different set of judges so that there's no bias based on optional performances. And I personally really appreciate that approach. Optional competitions may require an additional entry fee depending on the pageant. And another important thing to note is that not every pageant treats each area of competition the same. So some pageants weigh everything equally, meaning if there's four areas of mandatory competition, let's say interview, swimsuit, evening gown, onstage question, they're all worth 25% of your overall score. Other systems may weigh things more heavily. Maybe interview is 40% of your score and the other three areas are 20% each. Going back to optional competitions... I want to talk about one of the most popular optional competitions as of late. Over the past several years, many pageants have implemented an optional secondary title for an additional fee. Typically, pageants have one winner per age category, and it's the contestant with the highest overall score in the combined mandatory areas of competition. However, if a pageant has an optional secondary title, the second highest overall score also receives a title, but only if that contestant entered into the optional secondary title. If the person with the second highest score did not enter for the optional secondary title, then the contestant with the third highest score gets the optional title. 
So this can sound really confusing, so let me give you an example. In California, many state pageants use Miss California as the title for the overall winner and Miss Golden State for the optional secondary title. So if contestant one scores 100 points, contestant two scores 95 points, and contestant three scores 90 points, contestant one is crowned Miss California no matter what. Contestant two would be crowned Miss Golden State if she paid the optional fee. If she did not, but contestant three did, then contestant three would be crowned Miss Golden State, even though she had a lower score than contestant two. As I've said several times, there's tons of pageants out there, and each one has their own unique twist, so it's really important to do your research before you commit to one. Find out what the fees are, what the areas of competition are, how heavily they're each weighted, what the title holder responsibilities are, what the eligibility criteria are. Beyond that, I also always recommend speaking with someone who's participated in the pageant before and getting their opinion on it. It's almost more important to talk to someone who competed and didn't win because they've got nothing to lose by being honest. If they didn't win and still praise the pageant, it's probably a good one. Ask things like, is it well run? Is it well organized? Is it transparent? Do they communicate well? Ask any questions you can think of. Another thing to consider is the cost of the pageant, which coincidentally, I did a whole nother episode about if you want to go check that out. Pageants can be a huge investment, not just financially, but also mentally. So you want to make sure you're choosing a pageant system that's a good fit for you. Obviously, there's a lot to consider and not every pageant is created equally. So how do you decide which one is right for you? First, you should decide if you want to do a one and done or if you want a title to represent for a year. If you decide you want to do a title holder pageant, then you need to decide what level you want to compete at. Obviously, the higher the level, the more competitive a pageant usually is. So if you're new to the pageant world, I usually advise looking for local pageants. If you're a seasoned competitor with a couple titles under your belt, maybe you want to go straight to an open national pageant. Once you make that determination, it's time to evaluate your strengths and your weaknesses. If you're an outstanding public speaker, find a pageant with onstage questions or really long interview times. If you aren't comfortable wearing a swimsuit on stage, make sure you find a pageant that maybe has fun fashion or fitness instead. Also, keep in mind that pageants look for different things in the same area of competition. For example, Miss USA is very fashion forward and usually pretty edgy, meaning that you'll see a lot of evening gowns with thigh-high slits or that are almost completely see-through, whereas a pageant like National American Miss is more conservative and the gowns are far less revealing. Some pageants may require a one-piece swimsuit in swim, while others may say that anything goes. Some pageants prohibit judges from asking controversial or topical questions in onstage questions, but others encourage that. That's the beauty of pageantry. There's literally something out there for everyone. So when you're looking at pageants, make sure you have an understanding of what the rules are and what does well in those systems so you're prepared when you get there. And so you choose the right one that's good for you. The pageant website or even YouTube can be extremely helpful in this regard. Just know that whoever you are, there is a pageant that's right for you if you want to do one. And thankfully, there are so many resources out there to find what that pageant may be. And now you have me. I'm one of those resources. So if you're totally lost or if you have questions about anything I've said today, 
shoot me an email, sashchatpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at sashchatpodcast. You can even use the link in the bio to ask questions to be answered on the podcast or privately. I'd love to chat with you and help you find your perfect pageant. So that's all I have for today. I hope you have a better understanding of pageants and how to find the right one for you. Thank you again for tuning in. I'll talk to you soon. And remember to always wear your invisible crown. Mm